welcome to a bumper episode of EG Like Sunday Morning and a first for the series as later on I'll be welcoming on some external guests to talk about a very important topic. But first I am joined by our hip and happening deputy editor Tim Burke and our effortlessly cool head of content Emily Wright. How are you both this week? Better after that intro, that's Thank awesome. You. We're being hosted by a pathological liar Jess Harrell. <laughs> 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 I've been described as effortlessly cool in my life and I don't you, ever will again. I'm only ever described as hip and happening. But that's a, you, I get a better and better intro from Jess each time. This well, is this is the thing. This is the biggest difficulty of preparing for this podcast is how can <laughs> I big up my colleagues in an even grander way each week. Um, so, Tim, uh, yeah. this week uh, you've uh, donned your anorak and grabbed your notebook and, and shared your enthusiasm uh, with EG readers for the opening of the Elizabeth line uh, and it seems that you're not alone in real estate in uh, being genuinely excited about Crossrail. What a week it is. Uh, I was I didn't know that he was going to talk about the Elizabeth line opening so I was going to do a big drum roll please and then say it's Crossrail week <laughs> although I've been told today um, to stop referring to it as Crossrail you've got to just refer to it as the Elizabeth line. Or possibly whatever, the Elizabeth line line. The Elizabeth line line that is right. That wound me up. I know it did you too. Um, <laughs> it's here. I feel like I've spent all of my career writing about what the Elizabeth line was going to do for London and then thinking it's never actually going to open. But here it is. Suddenly, suddenly it's there. The trains are running. I don't feel let down at all. I think it's awesome. Um, everyone I've spoken to in real estate sounds like, um, as I put in this week's leader, a kid in the London Transport Museum. Getting giddy over getting giddy over this new uh, addition to the capital's transport system, um, and we've got a great piece at the front of the magazine this week, uh, a last EG byline from Alex Daniel, talking about what it's done to the real estate uh, market in London so far, and what it might and what it might yet do now that it's actually running. Um, as I say, everyone's pretty excited about it. I think it opens up a lot of new submarkets in terms of interest in the office market. Rents along the line have been rocketing way beyond um, way beyond what we've seen in the rest of the capital as a whole and now that you've actually got people on those trains and companies uh, companies witnessing what it does to footfall right across the city you chances are you're going to see even more of that um, there are expectations of bigger increases to rents in in markets like Farringdon which not a lot of not a lot of people were talking about until mm. uh, until the until the line neared and um, I think you'll see you'll see further shifts in terms of where companies want to be along that line, what it does to footfall, uh, what it does to journey times between different mm. bits of the capital. Somebody told me that you, you can now you'll now get from Paddington to Canary Wharf in it was sub 20 minutes. And I might you might need to double check those figures. But that just feels uh, that just feels incredible to think that you could you could make that journey and that speed opens everything up. I've seen a lot of uh, yeah people sharing their journey time. So where, where did you travel and, and how long did it take you, Tim? I haven't done it yet. I haven't oh. even been on it. Oh, I've my goodness. I've been raving about it and I haven't done it. <laughs> I'm going to take my lads in on um, on Saturday. Uh, they're both very excited about it. And I don't I don't know what we'll do yet because not so all yesterday. Tim. So yesterday. Oh, you always have to correct me on this. So yesterday, I will have taken my lads in for their first Elizabeth Line journey. And they will have had a great time. And they will have had great time. <laughs> but I can't remember which, well, I can't remember the stations we travelled between off the top of my head at this moment. <laughs> You're too too giddy uh, with excitement. Uh, Emily, have you had the pleasure uh, of travelling? No, I Elizabeth haven't. Line 
I haven't. And um, I read I read something, I think it was on LinkedIn yesterday, which um, really struck a chord with me, which is that, you know, this is all happening beneath our feet for all these years, almost, and we almost in a way that we didn't even realize, you know, I mean, I think anyone that went past a few of the stations would have would have seen something, but that's true, isn't it? I mean, it was going on right underneath us for all those years and we barely even noticed. And I think the size and the kind of just the the, the magnitude of it now that people mm. are going to have a look, they're thinking, mm. wow. And with, with everything, and the other point was with everything else, it's already underground. You know, everything else you have to sort of look out for down there. Um, <laughs> there's an awful lot of stuff going on. And so it's, it's, it's okay, so it's a bit late, but um, no mean feet. So mm. I'm excited too. I don't mind saying that. I'm excited too. And I might even go and buy a cagoule. That's how excited <laughs> I am. <laughs> Excellent. To be, to be fair, you've been a bit busy, uh, Emily, for joyriding. Uh, on the tube because you've been pulling together this week's latest ESG special and yeah. um, let's begin with with your comment piece which I, which I read with interest today on on Cretex first climate conference and, and the frustrations of uh, always preaching to the converted. Yeah so um, I have been busy um, so it was our ESG special out this week but last week I was in the wonderful Copenhagen and mm. it is wonderful anyone who hasn't been yet go um, sustainably if you can um, <laughs> Uh, for Cretec's first climate conference, as you say, and it was everything it needed to be. You know, it was it was inspiring, it was terrifying, it was um, hopeful in many ways, it was sobering. Um, but there are 125-ish people in the room, all of whom are, you know, I- exceptional people. But there's a problem. They're all already on board. You know, they, they, they all already get this, you know. So it was, it was, and I know that the organisers of Cretec Climate will not mind me saying this because they, they're very, you know, they're very aware of it. Um, but it was an echo chamber, and everybody talking there were talking to people who already agree with them, um, which doesn't mean that there's no value in it. There's a huge amount of value in it, but a lot of the value comes from the aftermath. And getting messages out there and making sure that the learnings and what was discussed there, as with a lot of these events or all of these events, is then messaged out properly to the industry. Um, because we were talking about things that ultimately that room has very little power over unless you can get the industry on board. Mm. So it was it was brilliant. And congratulations to Cretec on putting on such a great event. But everybody did say, you know, the people that really need to hear this stuff. And not in the room. And am I allowed to swear? Am I allowed? I'll I'll give you special dispensation because you are effortlessly cool. Oh, oh I know. And you can't be effortlessly cool and not <laughs> swear. Um, so one of the um, I'm going to swear twice, but it's the same word. So really, it's only once. But the t- two of the two of the 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 main messages were: people need to stop doing stupid shit which was from Juliet Morgan, who's um, ESG's um, head of um, ESG, Genza's head of ESG consultancy. Mm. And she was referring to sort of the crazy things that people are doing that really need to stop being done within real estate, like flying sand thousands of miles from one location to another, and that end location being somewhere pretty sandy. Um, <laughs> and then Mikhail Bulo-Lensby from NREP said, if you want to get your shareholders on board with this, just tell them they're going to make a shitload of money. So those are two things that really stuck with me. And I think the messaging does have to change. Um, the 40% carbon emissions figure that we're all now very familiar with is, is a horrible figure, but it's not it's not doing the trick. 
you know it's not making it's not getting people moving fast enough and so there's a, there's a split sort of a split split thought process on this does it matter that the real driver for change is going to be financial gain or a lack of financial loss um or is that sad when really should should the driver be saving our planet and actually since i posted that piece online a lot of people have come back and said well you know does it matter and lots of big change um throughout you know the the years the decades the centuries have been driven by finance and financial mm. benefits but it was very much the consensus of the people in the room who very much do care about saving our planet that if we're going to get the real estate sector on board the time has come to stop preaching about saving the planet and start saying you're going to make a, a lot of money if you do yeah. this and if you don't do this you're going to lose a lot of money money talks it does. Yeah, if, if that gets us where we need to be, I'd argue then, well, maybe you just have to accept that, Absolutely. that it's going to be a financial push for them. Yeah. And as I said in my piece, it's sort of the responsibility lies with the activists as well. You know, the people who do get it to be comfortable enough to to, to change the message um, and just think exactly like that. Well, if it gets if it gets us there, how does it mm. does it matter what the motivation is, what the catalyst is? Uh, yeah, if you can get those those interests to align, then 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 hopefully we can we can all be pulling in in the same direction from different starting points. Um, and Emily, what are some of the other highlights from uh, the ESG special this week? So we've got a really interesting piece on biodiversity uh, from the wonderful peers. Um, so biodiversity is obviously going to be a huge issue with legislation changes coming up it's going to be something that's going to have to go to, to sort of much higher up people's agendas when they're thinking about their ESG credentials um it it was you know it's no longer a oh we should probably look into this a little bit it's like you, you're going to have to you need to look into this so it's really worth it's really worth looking at and biodiversity is something that I think is becoming more and more um on people's radars but there's still a bit of confusion around exactly what it means so it's a really good piece it's a really really interesting um sort of look into what canary wharf group's doing um their partnership with the eden project so there's a lot there's a lot of stuff in there it's great but do you know what i learned when i was in copenhagen this is interesting uh, what did I you learn oh, well i'm going to tell you so um <laughs> i learned that and this makes so much sense when you put wind turbines in the sea, you really mess up the biodiversity of the rocks and the seabed that you're putting them onto. So there's a whole bi biodiversity issue that needs mm. to be really thought about in terms of wind turbines in, in the sea. And I thought that was interesting. I didn't know that. It feels yeah. like, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Mm. But. Yeah. 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 So there, so there, so there you go. <laughs> my famous catchphrase um we've got a piece on 10 things you need to know about um gpa's commitment to and changes to net zero carbon we've got a great comment piece from michael beckerman of cretech um, chief exec of cretech and cretech climate on why he's bringing together this group of activists to in his words push the button on the push the panic button actually on all of this stuff so um yeah it's a, it's a good it's a good special i'd recommend it would would read again <laughs> yeah. excellent uh, very glad to hear it. It'd be very disappointing, Emily, if, if you didn't, to be honest. I know, I know that would be bad, and I probably wouldn't say that if that were the case. <laughs> and uh, who knows, perhaps a much needed afraid to ask on biodiversity coming to, to, to the EG magazine uh, in the weeks mm. to come. Uh, I like maybe. that. Uh, and Tim, do you have time for a fast and loose roundup of the week's other major headlines? 
Yeah, lots more, lots more in the magazine as well this week. Uh, we've got a first interview with Andrew Screen, who has moved across to BNP Paribas Real Estate from um, from Cortland to head up its residential capital markets offering. He's talking about uh, about the future of the BTR market and what he wants to try to build out with the team there. We've got the team at We Are Pioneer Group talking about its um, its incubator push as it tries to um, tries to level up the UK's life sciences industry. We've got GPE talking about the flex office space and delving into uh, some of the figures from its its recent results that show why it's um, why it's doubling down on on that offering and back to peers again we've got um, a fantastic eg interview this week uh, mm. where we uh, talked to the fund manager of axa im's recently launched metaverse fund um, about why that's such a hot investment at the moment i'm obsessed with the metaverse even though i still don't really understand how it all works similar aren't to my to crossrail really <laughs> aren't we all obsessed with the metaverse can't get enough of it on eg like sunday morning um and Emily, I know you'll be disappointed by this, but there's no time for a quiz this week. <laughs> oh no, oh, that's so disappointing. There's just too much ground to cover, but uh, many thanks uh, to you both for joining me uh, for the first half of this week's episode. Uh, and now I am delighted to be joined by Priya Agarwal-Shah, founder and director of Bame in Property, and Lauren Doy, Communications and Engagement Manager at LandAid, to discuss an initiative they've been working on in the run-up to World Menstrual Health Day, which was on Saturday. Great to speak to you, Priya and Lauren. Hi, it's great to be here. Thanks for having us. Hi Jess, um, hi Lauren, great to be here. Good, thanks. So uh, first of all, maybe if you could just both uh, tell me a little bit about yourselves um, and uh, and then we'll, we'll go into talking about the vital work that you've been doing uh, in providing menstrual dignity for homeless women. So, uh, Lauren, I don't know if you want to go first uh, and you can tell us a little bit about the, the work you've been doing at Land Aid. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I'm Lauren. I am the Communications and Engagement Manager at Land Aid. Um, and we are the property, um, the properties charity, and we specifically specialise and work with youth, youth homelessness charities across the UK. Um, and I've been working quite closely with Priya on this initiative. Um, Priya, you can obviously introduce yourself, um, but uh, our connection is because uh, Priya from Bayman Property is part of our Networks Against Homelessness community, um, which is brilliant. Priya, I want to hand over to you. Thanks so much. Yeah, so I'm Priya, I'm founder and director of BAME in Property, which is an organisation to help uh, promote more ethnic diversity in the built environment sector. Um, I'm also a comms consultant. And then my sort of third role is being an ambassador for Binti Period Charity, uh, which um, looks to achieve, um, you know, period dignity for all women around the world. Um, and I chose to uh, I chose to become an ambassador for Binti Period uh, due to my role in the industry. I thought I was sort of primarily positioned to raise the profile of talking more about periods, uh, menstrual health, um, to just start that conversation, to break that taboo and to really encourage the built environment sector to do more to, you know, really help people who are on their periods, not when they're just struggling, but just generally, you know, really encourage that conversation. Uh, yeah, I imagined like with the cost of living crisis that we're all suffering from and, you know, wider access to, to free sanitary products is hugely beneficial for, for all, all kinds of women. 
Yeah, that's so true. And I think, you know, it's it's definitely affecting everybody. I mean, specifically from my perspective, working for a, a charity who supports um, you know, people experiencing homelessness and specifically 16 to 25 year olds experiencing homelessness, those pressures are even more severe. Um, you know, the idea of not necessarily knowing when you're sleep while you're sleeping every night, you know, is so much of a pressure um, on you already and the anxiety that that can cause, let alone the, you know, the cost of food and general living and then suddenly you experience this moment every month where your period comes you don't you're not necessarily expecting it and it's an added cost um and it is it is something that's really really worrying and i think the as priya said the built environment industry have are in really real, real prime position i think to really support the infrastructure um or the social infrastructure to help women through um through those moments every month and um. So you've written for us uh, in this week's edition of EG um, about uh, the work you've been doing and the, the initiatives you've you've uh, um, you've been working with others on um, to to improve the situation, uh, in particular for for homeless women. So if you can just talk us a little bit through who you've been working with uh, and uh, what what steps have actually been taken and, and what progress you've made so far. Um, um, yeah. So I've been. Um working with the Binti Period Charity. So obviously their, their goal as a charity is to um, really promote access to period products. And for them, there is it's, it's very much threefold. It's about raising awareness, it's about educating people, and it's about providing free period products. And what they always say is it's really important to change the narrative about how we talk about periods. So first and foremost, you know, yesterday was World Menstrual Hygiene Day, but we decided to call it World Menstrual Health Day because I think calling it hygiene makes it sound a bit dirty, makes it sound like it's something that you should be ashamed of but we really want to sort of change that conversation and change that narrative to access provision and ultimately dignity because you know pretty much half the population experiences this on a monthly basis so let's all let's all be talking about it because it's your mum it's your it's your sister it's your wife it's your girlfriend so we should all be talking about it openly and supporting all of the women and individuals around us who are experiencing periods on a regular basis and the idea that we should be changing this uh, narrative really comes with that provision. So it's about, you know, public buildings providing access to period products. And this is something which Binti Period really encourages, you know, all of the infrastructure out there to be doing. And that's why real estate is so important. So when you go into a library, when you go into a supermarket or you go into a shopping centre, you might find those machines where you have to pay for a period uh, item. So whether it's a pad or a, or a tampon, you're looking at paying a pound and no one really is going to be paying a pound when you can just go to Boots and just buy a whole packet for a pound but sometimes a boots isn't close by so the point that we are trying to make here is that it ultimately makes sense to provide free sanitary products because it doesn't just help homeless women but it helps anyone who might just be caught out and it ultimately reduces people using toilet paper in between you know just sort of using the um, toilet or you know leaving the toilet because um, that is what is provided in public buildings which is why often when you go there there isn't any toilet roll so I think you know by providing the right products for whatever reason somebody has gone into the bathroom you're actually saving costs and providing what people actually need and and you'll be surprised people won't be just going in there and just you know stocking up on their period products I think there is this real solidarity out there that we've all been caught out so I think you know it's very much about only needing it if we actually need it 
Yeah, I think that's so well said, Priya. And I mean, the charity um, that uh, Land Aid have supported and that who I've had a conversation with about this topic um, is the Anna Project, um, who are a Midlands-based charity who help women who've fled um, domestic abuse. Um, and they are a multilingual support charity. So predominantly, I think 80% of the women that they help are from a South Asian, uh, South Asian background. Um, so not only are they going into this environment whereby actually they really are at their lowest, their confidence has been completely taken away from them. Um, they also have the cultural added stereotypes on top um, of the way they're already feeling. So basically, the, um, the charity to support women in, in various different ways by providing emergency support for them initially, but also taking them on this journey through education and really befriending the women um, and talking through various different topics. Um, and, and one of those is is menstrual health. Um, I think a lot of the women that go to the centre, particularly some of the younger women, are very worried about saying the wrong thing because they perhaps have been told that they they shouldn't talk about this topic it is as Priya said before it's it's dirty it's something that shouldn't be voiced it's something that should be private and I think it's only by having those very open conversations to be like this is okay this is natural this is part of what happens where you know as Priya said, 50% of the population experience this. This is completely normal and this is okay. And I think one of the things as well that I was really struck by was some of the um, the, the in, incorrect things that the, these women had been told over their lifetimes. Um, the, the, was, the most surprising one to me was apparently if, um, you know, when you're on your period, if you touch plants, then plants will die. You know, I mean, plants will die anyway in my house so that's <laughs> separate but um you know obviously that is completely untrue um and I think it's really trying to make these women realize that it is okay what they're experiencing and also the financial pressures on top of that you know this isn't something perhaps they've ever really had to buy for themselves they're part of a community often um when these particular women who go to the center because of their their backgrounds um do, do arrive they perhaps haven't just lost contact with partners they've lost contact with friends, communities, family, so they don't have anyone else to turn to. So the other thing that the centre do when uh, the women arrive is provide them with a health pack. And it's got everything in there from kind of a toothbrush, you know, shampoo, conditioner, but it does have sanitary items in there as well. Um, and I mean, overall, it costs just over £20 to, per woman to, to provide this to them. Um, and it's something that is so essential because they wouldn't. And it stops that kind of for them. It stops that conversation initially when they're unconfident of having to come to somebody and ask for those products. And then eventually that rapport gets built up and that confidence comes out. Um but as I say, the more we talk about it, the more normalised it gets. And that's exactly what we want to do. And for those uh, in real estate who are listening uh, and, and they want to, to help, uh, what can they, what practical um, things can they do and, and who should they be getting in contact with? Absolutely. I think, um, I mean, Priya, jump in whenever you want to as well. But I think we've kind of suggested that there's really three main ways I think that um, that, that anybody can help specifically the first way will be um, related to the to, to the property industry in terms of the amount of buildings and resources and places across the country that the property industry have influence over is enormous. Mm -hmm. And the idea of encouraging, as Priya, I think I said before, the free period products in those public buildings, whether it's, you know, libraries, restaurants, um, you know, local community centres, shops, wherever, um, and having that ability as well to for the for women to be able to approach 
in a non-embarrassing situation to ask for products or for them just to be readily available. I think that's one of the, the key things. And the other one is, I guess, just as we've said before, talking about it, you know, whether that's in um, in the workplace as well. You know, we all, half our workforce, um, you know, are women over the, the space uh, of the country. And I think having those more open conversations and it being OK at work to to talk about how you're feeling. You might not be feeling particularly great that day because you're on your period. That's OK. And that's a conversation that can be had in the workplace. Um, and I guess the third um, uh, thing that, that people can do, whether that's as a company or as an individual, is through donations. That can be monetary do donations, it can be physical product donations. You know, the charities that uh, we work with, so the Anna Project, they do accept um, donations of all types, but, and, and that includes sanitary items. Or what potentially is even better is by giving money. Actually, money gives people choices and it gives organisations choices to be able to supply the products and the things that they the people that they're supporting need the most at that time. Um, I don't know, Priya, do you want to jump in with anything else? Yeah, I was just going to say that when we, that that when real estate or, you know, companies provide free period products in public places, um, just because there is still that unfortunate stigma around talking about periods, what Surrey County Council has been doing is putting stickers on the outside of public buildings or you know sort of encouraging businesses which are providing free period products to have the binti period sticker on their door similar to you know like visa mastercard mm. or amex which lets you know where you can use certain cards well this is basically letting you know you can go in and collect free period products and you can have a very discreet conversation with somebody who works behind the counter or somebody who just works in that building just to collect what you need to and there isn't that sort of commotion about it and I think that's sort of you know how we can start doing it slowly but you know ultimately we want to get to a situation where people are openly talking about it that you can just sort of you know walk around the office with something in your hand if you're walking to the toilet you shouldn't have to hide it in your pocket or sort of have you know enough supply for the whole day or be questioned why you're taking your handbag with you I think we just need to move away from those conversations and be very comfortable sort of just talking about all of this and I think that we're we're really not quite there yet which is why we're sort of taking these you know sort of baby steps which will still make a difference still let people know and I think for homeless women in particular it, it can be incredibly embarrassing to you know go into a public building when you're already experiencing so many issues with just your life and your and your status and just sort of where you are um to then have to ask for pre for for free period products as well so I think for homeless women in particular it would make a, a huge difference to have those stickers up and to just sort of inform them and say look this is what it this is what it means and I think it's you know just you know there would obviously have to be some sort of um you know education campaign and awareness campaign around this that people knew what it meant but I think once that's in place it would be just as simple as you know visa or amex or just seeing those stickers you know instantly this is what it's for mm -hmm. And hopefully articles like the one you've written and, and podcasts like this can help a little bit at ending that that sort of taboo uh, almost of, of talking about menstrual health. And you, you mentioned, um, Lawrence, some of the sort of wider issues in the workplace, uh, which obviously includes uh, real estate. So what, what do you think um, needs to improve from, a, from an employment perspective, uh, in your opinion? I think there's a multitude of things that can be done. And I, I mean, 
the obvious one that I keep going back to is talking about it but I guess the more we talk about it the more normalized it gets um but as we've also said you know providing you know free free period products in the toilets everyone's had to do that you know walk from your desk to the toilet as Priya said you know hiding things behind your pocket or taking your handbag or popping your coat back on and actually yeah it, that shouldn't be something that that is that you feel that you should have to hide even though I think a lot of women do myself included um I think also maybe from an internal comms perspective I think there's you know there's a lot of organizations particularly in the property industry who are huge and have vast internal comms channels hearing from the voices of the women that work for your organization I think is really powerful um you know giving uh, giving women a voice does anybody want to write a blog piece has anyone got a particular experience they want to share I mean these moments uh, around you know, menstrual hygiene day you know that was yesterday are obviously key and they kind of bring something that actually is like an everyday event to the forefront and it becomes a talking topic I guess the point is we want to get to a stage where we don't even need to come on this podcast and talk about this because this is boring you know that's really where we want to be but we're definitely not there yet um but yeah I think um, they're probably some of the main things that could could change I think the other big issue, which, you know, quite quite a few companies have been talking about and which have been getting publicity is menstrual leave mm. um, and whether, you know, companies should be granting this in, you know, similar capacities to just, just general sick leave or whatever. And I think there is a huge conversation about whether, you know, all companies should be allowing this. What, what kind of message does it send? How do women feel who ask for it? If you ask for it, are you considered weak? I think there are all these connotations about it, which is why the education piece comes hand in hand with any policy because if you're going to implement a menstrual leave policy without having a conversation about why it's important and why someone might need it you know there is a a spectrum of periods some people have a really plain sailing period every month other people have really painful ones which you know make them bed bound and really in absolute pain which really pauses their you know sort of social and professional life and you just think they're meant to go into work and meant to just continue with their day as normal but if you're not having this conversation about it, then having a menstrual leave policy is well, doesn't really do much, in my opinion. So I think both of them come hand in hand. I think one comes before the other. I think certainly, Lauren, as you were saying, that, you know, uh, internal comms, that raising awareness, you know, why it's important, almost having some public accounts if people are comfortable sharing it and then getting to that stage where, you know, because of this, as a result of the conversations that we've been having internally and just understanding and learning and, you know, listening to women, we understand that, you know, maybe there needs to be a menstrual leave policy where it's, it's there if people want to use it you don't have to use it but you're not going to be judged for it I think that's the most important thing is that you should be able to take it and no one will bat an eyelid for it because I think that's the problem that people are having at the moment is that even just to ask for a bit you know just for an afternoon off I'm just not feeling great because I'm on my period people will not well people will never say that but you know food poisoning yes they'll say feeling a bit unwell they'll say but nobody will ever say that they want to take a day off because they're on their period and we need to ensure that people feel comfortable doing that yeah, it's so true that. And I think that, you know, as we move forward and rightly so, you know, wellbeing strategies are at the forefront of all of what we're doing now. We spend, you know, more time at work sometimes than we do at home. So being happy at work is so important. And I think we do, we talk about mental health and wellbeing more so than ever now. And this is becoming, you know, a brilliantly normalized conversation. But actually, you know, physical wellbeing is is a big part of that. 
And it is, as Priya said, you know, some people do experience periods in a very different way than others. Um, you know, particularly if you if you have other conditions on top of that, can it, that can be exacerbated. Um, there's also certain times in a woman's life where maybe their periods are worse than others. You know, particularly as you get older, you get towards kind of menopausal age, like it, it, it does become even more of a challenge. And I think there is, as we've said multiple times in the conversation, so much stigma around even being open about that. So making it as normalised as the wellbeing conversations are already having. And I think the two are so closely tied. Well, like I say, fingers crossed um, the the articles that you've written and, and this podcast will will help uh, normalise that, that conversation. Um, thank you very much uh, to you both uh, for, for joining uh, us on this episode and, and discussing um, the great work you've been doing. Uh, please do keep it up. Uh, and to everyone at home, you have been listening to EG Like Sunday Morning. <laughs>